0: okay welcome everybody once again to your money and your mindset i'm Laura whitan your host and this week it is a bumper of a show this is an amazing lady i'm going to be speaking to As you can see, she's with me. My special guest is Dorinda Hafner. And you're thinking, hmm, okay, who is Dorinda? Well, she is, first and foremost, I'll describe Dorinda as a remarkable human being. First and foremost. (laughs) (laughs) So welcome, Dorinda.
1: Thank you. Thank you, all right.
0: But also, uh, ah, just this bright, energetic, full of life character. And um, she's going to tell you her story and she's going to tell you how she came to be here today, first of all. But then, just some background, she's she's actually a lady who's gone through so many transformations, and I find that these people are inspirational people because don't think you're stuck in a job that you don't like. Don't think that you uh, you are 45 and it stops for you because she is now a uh, a civil, civil celebrant before that. She's also a chef, an author of Honey, I Shrunk the Chef. Now, that's important because... Good health is one component of your money and your mindset. It's it's, it's an yeah, ethos I subscribe to that you cannot make money while you're unhealthy, while you're eating rubbish, while you're putting crap in your body. So welcome to those people at Stick and Blog TV, Real Coaching Radio TV Network, Receiver Internet Radio, Radio Roku, New Media Radio TV and our partner Stitcher. You're watching this on your phone. So this is a great show. Stay glued to your to your screens, folks, and of course it's interactive. So if you want to ask questions, you can type in, you can Skype in, and uh, we'll just get Dorinda to talk about herself because you know this this person is authentic, and uh, this is a person who honors her talents, and you have no idea the uh, the talents that she's got, and she's going to pull out some more <laughs> in time to come. But the story is is that uh, she's going to be talking about. How it's helped her to be where she is. I'm just readjusting the screen ever so slightly, or I'm just going to come in a bit more. Okay, so to start with, we know Dorinda Hafner is like busy lady, a talented lady. But first of all, where did you come from, and how did you get here? Let's hear about Dorinda.
1: (laughs) Well, I was born in Ghana, West Africa, and I went from there to England. And I, I went to Methodist Ladies College in Ghana yeah. and then at the age of 18 I went to England to train as an ophthalmic nurse or eye nurse mm-hmm. and then to train following that to train as a general nursing sister. So it was very hard at the time because they didn't like to train black people for registered nursing. They thought we weren't bright enough so we can be trained for the practical road nursing but not registered nursing. Mm-hmm. So I brought the mold. You see and then I went from there to train as a dispensing optician but while before that when I was doing the nursing I was working as a model (laughs) one of the first black models in England I was working as a model and then I met and married a psychiatrist and I became a mother and then I went from that to well we emigrated to Australia Mm -hmm. and then when I got here I realized the level of racism was horrible so I started working with school kids to try and teach them to like each other rather than pick on each other's differences, to actually mm-hmm. see them as advantage, uh, an advantage. And so I went from that to become an artist in residence. And then whilst I was doing that, I got invited to play a, a kind of bit part role, extra role in a movie, Breaker Morant. And uh, so then I ended up becoming an actor, believe it or not. And somebody saw my tiny little performance and thought, hmm, huh, maybe she should be in a play that we're doing. So, I got invited into a festival play. I ended up doing a play. And then, from then on, somebody has offered me another acting role, another acting role. So, then I I left my my nursing and optics and um, started working as a kind of artist in residence and a voiceover person on on radio. In radio. And then, commercials, television commercials. In fact, I've got one on the television now on a special broadcast in Australia. You hear me every day. You know, by the population explosion, our story begins now. That's my voice, you see. And so, whilst I was doing that, um, I then thought, well, the parents are interested in food, and I've always been a foodie. So, why don't I teach the parents so they can cook the foods that I'm doing with the kids in schools at home? And so, then I became a television chef. And then, whilst I was there, people wanted a book after the show's finished. So, then I became an author. <laughs> <laughs> it is very strange to say, when I think about it now, it's very odd. Um, then From there, as an author, I then became a public speaker. Mm-hmm. Because people then wanted to know how I got to be what I, who I was. And then, and then I became a married celebrant. Because one of my godchildren asked if I could marry her. And I said, but I'm not qualified. And my daughter said, so why can't you qualify? And I said, I have no time to train. And two weeks later... She called me, she said, are you sitting down, mom? I said, sure, why? She said, I've got something to tell you that's going to shock you. I said, you're having a baby? And she said, no, no dream on. No, she said, I've paid for a course for you. I paid for it online, and I paid for it for special coaching, and I paid for it for you to go in. So either case, you can't get out of it. And I don't want to lose my money, so go train as a married celebrant." So I went and trained. And at the time, I wanted to kill her. So, <gasps> when am I going to get the time? She said, you have three months to prepare. The course starts in three months, and you do it. And I must say, Laura, I have not regretted it. It's the best thing. I love that kid for it. Before, I wanted to kill her. Now, I kiss her. You know? <laughs> but that's how I came to do all of those sort of things. And I still do school work. You know, I do a lot of charity work. I go to schools and work with school kids still. And I still also counsel, not just the school kids, but... Um, suicide people you know and stuff like that I do a lot of a lot of things but I enjoy it are 24 hours in a day so you got plenty to work with
0: yeah so this is like uh, in in a nutshell you've compressed for some people this is like several lifetimes and you have sort of like taken everything and condensed it to to be you know where you are now so people out there don't ever feel as though you are restricted or, or you are limited by your circumstances because that's something I want to talk uh, to to people out there about who feel as though they don't have your your opportunities and privileges. When in fact that wasn't the case. When you you spoke to me off air about your uh, where you came from in Ghana, there was there was the civil war and what you had to go through. Yes. Uh, because a lot of people get stuck in the thing called I say I call their story. Why I cannot do something? Why I cannot be something? Yes. Why? I am never going to amount to something, and it might be circumstances then. Now, I'm not sort of um, trivializing what happened to you people out there, but really, you, you want to spend a minute listening to Dorinda's okay. story about her time growing up in Ghana during the Civil War and, and the experiences you had. Oh, yeah. So just share yeah. that with us. Yeah, yeah,
1: sure, sure. I mean, I grew up in the 19. nineteen 19- Fifties really, and at the time Ghana was struggling for independence as the first um, British colony, well, uh, occupied colony south of the Sahara to gain independence in 1957, and we had guerrillas coming, different factions of the Ghanaian community, but different political parties, and so they were factionalizing and fighting, and your house got raided if the, the opposition thought you batted for the other side, and our house got raided, my mother had a maternity hospital, and she delivered babies and looked after mothers, antenatal care and postnatal care. And they raided her house in the night because they thought they were looking for my father, who wasn't there, he was in England at the time. And they, they thought that my mother was delivering babies belonging to the opposition. And she said, Well, look, I'm, I'm a midwife, I deliver all babies and I look after all mothers. It didn't matter their political affiliation, I'm apolitical. But they didn't find the babies and so they decided to use me as her eldest daughter who was there at the time as an example to her and so i got i still got a depression in my skull where i got hit with the butt of a gun i've looked down the barrel of a, a shotgun before now i have absolutely to, to, to put it bluntly i have wet myself as a child for fear because i thought they were going to either kill me or kill my mother but you see, I don't let those things stop me because I figured that I'm, I'm alive for a reason. So if I'm alive then I got to use that opportunity to do something. I create my opportunities.
0: Okay some people will say yeah that's that's you know traumatic and I just want you to share with us also the, the story you said about having to go out of your house in the morning and oh. having to clean up um, what was that you had to clean up?
1: Well, human remains really because you could hear in the middle of the night during the struggles we used to put cotton wool in our ears and hold our ears and so we didn't have to listen you hear the thwack 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 of a machete carving somebody up and in the morning we had to go outside and use water and the uh, brushes and buckets and to clean up human remains off the walls of the house now my year five teacher was blown up by a grenade we used to have safety and security drills every morning at school as junior, primary. We used to have the drill. And this day, it came in useful because we were sitting there and a grenade landed, came in rolling. We used to call it the brown, the brown, ser- uh, what do you call it, scored egg. Yeah, yeah, And it came in and it rolled under the teacher's table and she just said to us, drill. Just like that. And we all went into the fetal position, put our tables down, got down and hit just like we've been taught to do. Mm. And then we heard the bang go off. And none of us moved, the room was filled with smoke, everything was horrible. And then, slowly, as the smoke and the horrible stench cleared, we looked up, and that's an image that I kept in my head for boy, oh, well, I didn't have to keep it, stayed there of my teacher's lungs slowly sliding down bits of it down the blackboard. Now, there was no Uh, knowledge of post-traumatic stress at the time, no psychologist to help us. They just told us to go home and get over it. Those are some of the images that I grew up with, you know? Mm. There were good ones, there were bad ones. But those were some of them. They were not nice. And it took me all this time to try and get rid of it.
0: Okay, so you didn't say, this is what I saw, this is where I am, and this is where it will keep me. You said i got to find a way to deal with this.
1: Yes, I wrote a book. I wrote a book documenting some of that stuff. It's called I Was Never Here and This Never Happened.
0: So did you find that it was cathartic, it was journaling, and do you suggest to people who have had similarly um, traumatic experiences mm. that this is this is one way of getting it out of your system?
1: Yes, it was a catharsis. It took a long time to write. It took me about three years mm. to write because... I will get to certain places in there, the most painful bits, and I'll get it'll be a block. And I couldn't write. I'll freeze because I, I relived the pain. Mm. So I found myself walking the streets sometimes three, four o'clock in the morning. I'll just take off and go and walk. Just to get uh, you know, the panicky attack out of my head and to take in the fresh air. Then I'll come back and I'll write another paragraph. So bit by bit, it was a slow process, mm. but it worked. You need to keep a journal, you need to write it down, you need to get it out of you. Because when you speak it, somehow it seem to reduce the pain.
0: Okay. Speaking it is one thing, but not speaking it so often that you relive it again. No, 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 no. No, again. no.
1: you don't need to do that. You don't need to go over it, over and over. You want to get it out. Once. One, Just push it out there. Whether you talk about it to somebody or whether you write it down so other people can read it and share and know that they can do something good out of it. Don't let it hold you back. I look at those sorts of experiences as, as my toolkit of life. Those things prepared me for what was to come. So therefore, now I've gone through that, I'm stronger for it. And now I've got to go out there and conquer the world and do things that make me happy, that feed my soul.
0: Okay, you you found that very early because in in Ghanaian culture, you said it was matrilineal. So you had a very strong uh, woman, female figure in your family that showed you how to live your life how, how to be you know t- to conduct yourself with integrity with dignity and to go for what you want and not apologize for it
1: <laughs> no that's true well the ashanti tribe is matrilineal and the most important person in the family is the oldest woman alive
0: so you respect all the people they're correct yes.
1: you have the respect for for your heritage the older generation and who you are you had a sense of self yeah. you didn't grow up feeling inferior you needed to look in the mirror every day, you know, and say to yourself, "Hmm, nobody's got my DNA. I'm unique. I'm special." You know, and then use that to propel you into the day, each day.
0: Okay, so whether we what I call su- succeed or have a, you know, or come back from a a, a setback is dependent on how we feel about ourselves now. I, I want you to share with with the people here. It's, it's a little exercise you do with small kids, but it doesn't matter because I think it's a, applicable because there's all of us have a little five year old and there's one who wants unconditional love. And Some of us have been younger, even <laughs> younger. Uh, and that is, you know, for people out there, this is this is an exercise you can do, and I guarantee it because um, the way Dorinda's described it to me, it works and it works with kids. It, it saves them from. Self-harm, suiciding, that sort of thing. So can you just share with us what you, you get the little kids to do, which even grown-ups can, can do?
1: Well, I give them a little makeup mirror. Boys and girls. A little, like about um, three centimeter by two centimeter mirror. A yeah, little, little one, you know. An uh, oblong one. And it's a little weapon, I tell them. This is a secret weapon that's just for you, for nobody else. And you hide it somewhere on your person. Take it with you wherever you go. And before you leave the house, in the morning, you want to take your mirror, have a look at yourself in it full on, and then profile yourself, then kiss yourself, and say, oh my, it's not fair on the rest of the world that they haven't got my DNA. I'm pretty unique. I'm special. And keep that with you. Because it's important that you realize that you are special. You are unique. There's nobody else on this planet like you who will have the pleasure or the honor of being you. So when you're going about your everyday life and things start getting on your nerves or things are getting to you, bring out your secret weapon, your mirror, have a look at yourself and remind yourself who you are. Say hello, why am I letting the external forces and these things hold me back? Why am I letting them get to me when I'm this unique? I'm special. (laughs) All right, that it works because it reaffirms who you are. It reminds you that you have a purpose. And that you're not there to be stopped by anything or anybody.
0: Okay, you you very early on discovered your purpose, but it it was an evolution. And this is what what I want you to share with people out there who say... uh, Let's say in America, they're still trying to recover from from the uh, economic, global, financial crisis. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have got their sense of identity taken away because Mm -hmm. they lost their jobs. Mm -hmm. So, and some of them maybe are still in the process of recovering and saying, how, how can I get back that sense, you know, I mean, what can I do? So do you have
1: any suggestions that you can share with people? Absolutely. See, I don't ever look at the glass as half full or, or you know, or half empty. I mean, yeah, I don't yeah. see it as half full, you know. And what I say, I say is that we all can, we can talk, you can see, you can walk. These are two kids of life. You know, you can read, you can write. So, there's no reason why you can't relaunch yourself. Sure, look, I'm not realizing what people go through. We all go through some horrendous traumas. But the beautiful thing is that we still have ourselves. We're not dead. We're alive. We can go into a local library and use the, the resources there to relaunch ourselves, mm-hmm. to join a group, you know, a, a reading group to go in there and learn new skills, to apply for a job on, online, to go and talk to somebody on the radio. You can do that in a library. You can go. We, You can relaunch yourself with the talents that you have, which you have hitherto not seen as talent. you see, taking them for granted because you think, oh, walking, everybody can walk. Everybody can see. Not everybody, everybody can, can walk. Well, well most people yeah. can walk, you know, and most people can see. Not everybody can see. Most people can hear. Most, but if you have any one of those things, you are ahead. And, you know, the people who can't walk, they can still see. They can, you know, uh, a lot lot of them, most of them, they can still uh, maybe talk.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, they can hear. Some people can't see, but they can walk. We all have a positive something about us. And that's what I'm saying. Use that positive something to launch you onto your next one. Yes, what you've gone through is bad. Nobody attacked you enough that, but don't let that restrict your growth. Use that as a reminder of the, the fact that you have to go on okay
0: you you when you speak to me, I sense that you've got this fire in your belly and there's this amazing energy that comes out Did, did you basically harness all the negatives that happened in your life? I mean you put yourself in a, in a very challenging situation okay you you're you're African you go to you go to the UK and these people, you know, for them, white is white.
1: okay? <laughs> no, no. And, and
0: you've put yourself in, in it's such a contrast. Did you do that deliberately so that you could get a sense of yourself and say, hey, this is what I have to process and what I'm up against? But my interpretation of the event is more important than anything else.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you see, I don't see it as my problem. Yeah. When people are mean to me, I see that they have a problem because I see them as human beings. Mm. Now, we're all lucky enough to be still so here. So, if somebody uh, uh, dislikes me because of my external packaging, they're stupid. Simply because none of us had a choice, Laura. No, right? yeah. None of us, nobody. My parents didn't ask me, how do you want to come out during that? And I would have said, I want to be six foot four. I would be redhead, flaming red hair, and be built like a Bridget Nelson or somebody like that. You know, Angelina Jolie. I didn't, I didn't nobody asked me. I open my eyes, I'm in in this packaging, you know, so I've got to work with it. So therefore, if I dislike somebody because of the way they look, that means I am diminishing my intelligence as a human being. I'm not taking it on as as an equal. So therefore, I don't let those things bother me. When people are nasty, Mm -hmm. I think, have a better day because you need to get in touch with who you are. You need to use those tools, you know. You need to look at yourself. That's why I do the mirror thing. It's important to see that you're unique. You're different yeah but the difference is good it's not a bad thing I give kids another skill I say look at your fingers look at them they're all different right now that's the representation of the human race we're all different different looks different heights different shapes but together look what we do we're strong apart we are single we're not quite as strong and that's what I say it's like, it, it It works also for using the skills, and the natural abilities that you've got.
0: Mm.
1: Harness them all, as many of them as you can, and let them work for you.
0: And one of the things that you have done is basically, uh, in terms of making yourself that better person, and this is something that I want to share with you people out here, What you see here is a hot lady. Okay.
1: How very kind of you.
0: Yes, but did you know that Dorinda lost 80-odd kilograms, which is 176 pounds, okay? Let it sink in, 176 pounds, 80-odd kilos. And so in in that sense, you basically reinvented yourself from
1: somebody who... why, Why did you eat? Why did you overeat? I ate as a protection. I ate because I didn't feel confident enough still. I thought people were getting at me, you know, and I thought if I were big, I'd be more intimidating and, and more scary, and they would think twice before they mess with me. But then after a while, I got diabetes. I got high blood pressure. And I had knee joint problems. And I thought, why? Why am I actually killing myself? Why am I digging my grave with my teeth? And so if I got like that, those people have won who are mean to me. Yeah. So, no. Quite the contrary, I'm going to grab life by the ball, so to speak. Pardon pardon me for saying that, but not in a rude way, but you know, the harness of life. And I'm going to now use that to work for me. So I'm going to look after myself for change. I'm going to go on a healthy kick, not a diet, but I'm going to put together a menu for me. A menu involving food, exercise, personal training, self-love. And I'm going to go that way and I'm going to get healthier. And I started this well five years ago. I wanted it to be my 60th birthday to myself, present to myself. Yep. And I did it, and slowly, I didn't, it's not a race, a dash to the finish. It's a marathon mm.
0: that
1: I got to work at so that I can maintain it for the rest of my days. And so that's why I then slowly started working and working and working. And I lost and lost and lost. And after I got about halfway through my program, I went in for stomach banding. But it doesn't help you. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't solve the problem. You have to do the work up here.
0: Okay, so what when you say up here in your head, what else did you do besides the gastric banding uh, and and the, the, the new, um, I guess, habits in, in food, health, uh, and just generally looking after yourself? What was the internal work that you had to do?
1: Well, I had to ask myself why I ate. And I knew that I ate partly because I like the taste of food. I just love food. (laughs) I just do. And I ate because i I felt like if I didn't eat it all today, there'll be none tomorrow, Mm. you know, see, and I also ate to make myself big and to make myself feel better inside. And I thought, well, actually, why am I doing this? I am better. I am okay. You know, so I now need to portion control because there'll be always food tomorrow. If, If someday I don't have to eat the whole packet of cookies today, There'll be some tomorrow if i keep the rest i'll eat it tomorrow so i decided to do portion control was that difficult uh initially yes i had to go cold turkey on rice because i'm addicted to rice laura i (laughs) I love rice cold turkey man don't let anybody tell you it's just drugs that do it to you rice can do it to you i had hot sweats i had palpitations i had panic attacks i was freaking out because i couldn't have as much rice as i used to but i couldn't have any at all so after about three months I got there I got there three to well three to six months now I can have these small amounts of rice because mm-hmm. I know I can have it I'm not mm-hmm. gonna not ever have it yeah okay so I made a list and wrote down the things that I could eat or that I want to eat and the things that I have to eat mm-hmm. you know and I thought the list of things that I love which were very, very unhealthy. It was about five pages. What, and I chocolates, think donuts? chocolates, oh, rice, you know, yeah. fried foods, fried chicken, uh, yeah. you know, you know um, uh, chocolate mud cake, mm. dark chocolate, oh, yum, yum, yum. Thick shakes, that sort of stuff. Pancakes, maple syrup, this sort of stuff. And then the side of, that, of the something that I could have, like steamed broccoli. <laughs> you know, and salads and stuff, and I thought, oh, yo, yo. But I knew that if I didn't put some of the stuff from the, the left side of things that I like to, into the right, I wouldn't stick with it. Yeah. So therefore, I thought, well, portion control. Rather than eat a bar of chocolate, I make a deal with myself, and I have two squares, knowing that tomorrow I can have another square, or maybe three days later I can have another square.
0: So, do you eventually then work out that sometimes you don't really need the chocolate anymore? Some days no, you, you just no, go. No, no,
1: that's right. Yeah, and I, I started to exercise. Before, when I felt the need to exercise coming along, I lay down till it passed. <laughs> but then I thought, hmm, if I got to exercise that much, I need eye candy. So I need to find a very sexy, lovely young man who will give me the impetus to get out of bed. So I got Nathan, my personal trainer, and I thought. Nathan is going to be here any minute. I can't let him see me like this. I've got to get out of bed. I've got to have a little shower. And I've got to look good. And I've got to exercise just to please Nathan and myself. And, you know, it sounds trite. But something so small gets you over the first hurdle, then the second hurdle. And by the time you've done it a few times with a Nathan look alike or similar, you've got to feel so good about yourself that you feel good health-wise. Mm-hmm. That you think, I can push the trash can to the top of my driveway, a steep driveway, without getting out of breath. You know, wow. I can now walk around the block without feeling like I'm about to have a, ca- a cardiac arrest, a heart attack. So those are uh, gifts that when you start getting them, you then get to like exercise. You don't have to do a lot at once; just yeah. half an hour. Maybe when I started, I did 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. And
1: then little things now I got to the stage where I thought I'll put weights by my seat. When I sit down to watch the news, I'll be exercising, you know. And that sort of stuff. And I park my car a long way away from the shop, so then I can walk and push my cart of food to my car. That's exercise. It doesn't look like it on, on on the surface of it, but it's another little thing. Every little bit helps, and that's bit by bit, like it's a marathon. And that's what I do.
0: Okay, but did you also, uh, you know, this is this is really inspiring for people who who feel that, you know, it's too late for me. Um, I've grown up eating fried chicken or junk food or hamburgers all the time. Um, there's no point in changing. You you have demonstrated that it, it is possible to change. And not only that, and because you're in the food business, mm-hmm. you are always around food. Correct. Yeah, and uh, you, you know the saying that uh, you know you should never trust a skinny chef? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I don't believe that because you've actually written a book where it says, Honey, I Shrunk the Chef. Can you just
1: show us? Sure, sure, sure. It's here, yeah. it, it, right here. This is it.
0: Yeah, so just bring it up. A honey ash front, the chef is, is coming out here in the, over Christmas, and uh, we'll just give you the details later how you can get that book. And it's yes. about your journey as yes. well Yes. that you can eat well yes. and not become uh, overweight.
1: But I've taken regular recipes, regular foods, and written them in a healthy way for you. In that book, there is roast pork and crackling. Yum! Oh, yum! There's some quiche. There's um, uh, what what uh, shall I say? Um, donuts. There are some um, yes. But the way I do it, see, I use soy flour and stuff like that. So it's protein. It's not oh, oh, you see, protein flour. I use um, hazelnut flour. I use almond meal. That sort of stuff. So and I use stevia, you know, natural sugar, not not um, the not aspartame. No, no. I use stevia. So I use things like that. And uh, you don't need to have that much. When I make uh, chocolate mousse, there's no egg in it. Really? Yes, I use some gelatin. You know, and I use very good quality chocolate. And I use um, stevia. And I have low-fat milk uh, that you can buy. Mm. Like um, uh, the brands, you can get different brands. I use the carnation, low-fat one. I chill it overnight. So when you do that and you beat it up, it looks frothy like cream. Ah. And then you can then put your melted chocolate and your gelatine in it, you know, and fold it in, and with your stevia, and that is chocolate mousse. Is that easy?
0: And a healthier version of popcorn, and much,
1: much healthier, you know. And yeah. so I have taken those regular things, creme caramel, and make it so that you eat it and you think, oh my goodness, I mean, that must be fattening, but it's not. So, so that's what I've given you. I've given you 88 recipes in that book, all of which, bar two, are 300 calories or less. With kilojoule and calorie breakdown for each one, and I've color-coded it for you. So the green means you can eat all you like. And amber means you can eat, but be gentle, yeah. be careful. And red means definitely no seconds, and only periodically. You
0: and know? Yeah,
1: yeah. So I, it's, about, I, it's my gen. These are things that I eat myself, and they worked. Mm. You know, I, I was a lot of, of weight. I was 168 kilos. What was that? Over 300? Mm-hmm and something pounds Sounds, yes yeah i'm less than half the, the weight i was
0: you're half the woman
1: that's right but you find you got twice the energy <laughs> well, no but i had energy before this is the thing that's what people out there maybe they should know people used to say to me if you lost weight you get more energy well i was so energetic before i felt if i had any more weight i had any more energy i'll self-compassed so i thought no no it's not the energy i need it's the health i need oh. you know and paradoxically. I don't like people to say to me, how much have you lost? So I can give them the weight. I'm proud of what I've lost. Yes, yes, yes. But not, that's not where it's at. I'm not relating to something external of myself on a scale. I'm relating to somebody internal of myself, of how I feel. Mm-hmm. And I feel good. I feel healthy. You know, I, feel, um, I didn't realize I couldn't jump for years because I was so fat. I've taken it for granted. I could if I wanted to. But in fact, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And something so simple. Now I can jump up and down. I can dance. You know, I can run. And I think, I can skip. Now, I haven't done those things for over 20 years. Mm. Because your GP
0: said to you, if you didn't um, do something drastic about...
1: Well, she told me I was going to die. And she was quite mean. She wasn't very nice. She said, I have been a GP for over 20 years, or over 25 years. I've never had a patient die on me yet. She said, so if you're planning on dying, take yourself off and sign on somebody else. She was mean at the time. I thought, what a nasty person. But now... That was a slap I needed in the face, you know, to wake me up and say, Dorinda, do something about your weight and your health.
0: Mm. Mm. Oh, wow. So, okay, you people out there in we we're being featured on Stickham r- Radio TV. Oh, really? Oh, Hi. hello. So,
1: hello. Hi. This
0: is Dorinda Hafner, who is just fascinating. She's just telling me a story about how she managed to lose 80 kilos, which is 176 pounds. Okay. And she's actually got a cookbook out, which is amazing in the sense that you can eat all the stuff that you think are naughty, but the way it's been, um, the recipes are, are put together, it's, it's not. It's actually healthy for you and you can actually eat that. And hey, folks, Christmas, who wants to eat lettuce and, and, and carrots for Christmas? No, you eat
1: well. Eat a good turkey or a little bit of pork. That's done my way because I roast With it crackling. differently. No, crackling. Because I roast it very differently. Have a look at the book. It's, on, so- it's online. Oh, yes. Can you yes. send us on a whereabouts so you can find your book? It's uh, www.honeyishrunkthechef.com. Go there. You can get it. Well, if, if you're watching, people in the United States are used to seeing me on your screen. Yep. I'm, on, I'm on PBS. I've been on PBS for years. Hey. hey. With a, a taste of the Caribbean, a United Taste of America, a taste of Africa, dinner on the diner.
0: I've been on there. But you don't it's, recognize it because no. this is half the woman.
1: I've shrunk. So, yeah, this me. It's me. It's America still... is Dorinda Hefner. She's shrunk.
0: So, this is a person who who, can, um, who walks their talk in the sense that realizing being in the food business as well that it can so easily tip you over the, the scales. And what I sense is that you, you value yourself so much that you pulled yourself back from the brink of basically killing yourself.
1: Correct. Absolutely. No other way of putting it.
0: Yeah. But that means that you are at peace with yourself internally, yes. of every bit of you, you know, the, the parts that people, people are, have got this critical self-talk in, in their head sometimes that just carries on and, and says, you know, you're not doing this right, or you're not pretty enough, you're not tall enough, whatever. So you have said, you know, to your inner critic, basically shut up. That's but, right. Okay. And the process you use, among other things, are journaling. Mm-hmm. What else do you do to help you keep that frame of mind, that focus for you?
1: Affirmations. I do affirmations. Oh, yeah. Can
0: you share something?
1: Yes. I look in the mirror every day and I say to myself, my goodness me, aren't you blessed? You're still here. What can you do to make your life better today? And in doing so, what can you do to make other people feel good about themselves? Every day I look to myself, hello, you're still here. Wonderful. Aren't you the lucky girl? What can you do? What can you do to improve your life today? What can you do to help other people's lives today? Go. GFI Dorinda Go for.